Welcome to the last Women in MedTech episode for 2023 of the MedTech Business Academy podcast. I'm Colleen Patterson, your host, and also honor our co-hosts, Barbara Strain, Stephanie Pitts, and Abby Norfleet. We also have the pleasure of having Ilsa Wiebeck of MedTech Strategies joining us today. Ilsa brings over 25 years in healthcare business, business strategy to the table. Through her experiences working on many product types, business models, and planning processes, both in startups and multinationals, she knows how to see the forest and the trees. This experience has contributed to the success of emerging ventures and market leaders by uncovering value for new technologies. Welcome, Elsa. And thank you for joining us. Thank Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. One of the really important things that we always advocate for on this particular podcast is about the idea of connecting with other women, supporting them in their career paths, learning and networking with them, which, you know, especially with the number of representatives that we have can be a little bit more challenging. I know that you and Barbara have been following each other on LinkedIn for a little while. Uh, Barbara, what is it that first brought you to, to following Ilsa? Well, Colleen, it, we're of the same ilk as far as the way we approach uh, the work that we've done over the years, whether it's been consulting or an industry and things. So, Elsa, it's good to see you live, uh, although the audience <laughs> can't see us, but hopefully we'll get to actually do a cup of coffee in real time sometime. But I love your work. But it always is interesting to find out you were in healthcare industry positions for a while with some suppliers that we would all know and things. So what made you think about or go into consulting? Yeah, thank you, Barbara. It's uh, great to to be here with everybody today. And uh, and so, you know, that's a a question that I get from a lot of folks, uh, actually, just finishing my ninth year uh, running MedTech Strategies, and I'm, I'm happy to have been able to uh, run a consulting uh, business for that long. Um, I think, um, you know, when I look at, back at my career and look at my corporate experiences, um, big company, small company experiences, and then um, had the opportunity to um, start consulting, it really was um, the ability to to kind of make something my own as well as do the work that I wanted to do. Um, I was at an organization um, that there was a lot of firefighting happening that oh. uh, we didn't have the opportunity to take a step back and actually solve the root cause of why these fires were happening. And so frankly, that got frustrating, you know, where, um, you know, being the, I like, I like to be a problem solver, I like to find solutions to to um, issues that pop up and um, being a problem solver, it's really, uh, you know, really frustrating to kind of be stuck in a situation where you can't find those root causes and and adjust um, and adjust from there. So, so as a consultant, um, I'm able to help people identify those root causes and then provide the data, the recommendations and strategies that help them address um, some of those issues that are in front of them. One of the best uh, books that I've read this year is Burn the Boats. If you have not read it, I completely mm. recommend it. It's been fantastic. But one of the things that one of the the predominant theories in that book is really about betting on yourself and that, you know, you shouldn't do for someone else what you can do even better for yourself. So I love the, you know, hey, I'm I'm not seeing the culture fit here that I'm really flourishing in. I should go off and, and start 
you know, start my own journey. But I know that that can't be something that was just, you know, we flipped the light switch and then it was magic from day one. So, you know, in those, those first early years or when you were thinking about doing that transition, was there anything in your heart that you were like, oh, I don't know if I should do this? Or were you just a hundred percent all in? Like, I know I'm going to be amazing. Yes, is the answer. (laughs) So um, I think uh, if this has not been a topic on your podcast to date, uh, the whole concept of imposter syndrome is definitely something that that um, is there for for lots of people and whether you're in a corporate role or in a in a consulting role. And um, and so when I was, you know, a few weeks into my decision making about going independent, um, I was. I was thinking about consulting. I was still on the job sites looking for something very specific. I'd been in the industry long enough and had enough experiences that I knew like this very, very narrow job description that I was looking for, which was going to be probably really hard to find. Um, and, um, and, and I realized at one point in this, um, sort of churning time that I have to go all in. And so I said to myself, I'm going to stop you know, get off monsters and the, you know, the, the job websites and just focus on, um, building and determining what I want to do as a consultant. And when I made that mental switch, first of all, it saved me some time from writing cover letters that never went anywhere. Um, (laughs) second off, um, just gave me that a little more confidence in myself that like, look, this is what I'm going to do. I made a decision. I have to spend the time doing this. Um, and then once that decision was made, um, the trickier uh, conversation with myself was like, what am I going to do as a consultant? And it was easy to draw on the experiences I had in my co- corporate roles in marketing and strategic planning. But, uh, you know, I'd go to marketing or sorry, to um, networking meetings and people would say, oh, you're a consultant. Like, what do you do? And you have to figure out the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I see. You know, I know Barbara's uh, shaking her head. So she she has had that experience as well. So um, and that so that you know, sort of elevator pitch or that discussion with folks about what I do has evolved over time. Um, and also helped me figure out not only where do my interests lie, but frankly, where do people have money to buy consult, the paper consultants to buy the work, to, to do the research and invest in their futures. And so that kind of all t- came together, but there was that bit of mental um, shift that had to say like, look, I'm I'm going to do this. And I think part of that too was like, how much money do I need to make this year in order to make this a viable entity and have those little agreements with myself in order to know if I'm, you know, being successful or not. Ilsa, you, uh, you hit on something that seems to be weaving through many of our podcasts. And that was, you you mentioned imposter syndrome. It it tends to come up um, quite a bit. I'd say maybe every other time that we've, we've spoken. So you aren't alone in that, of course. But I'm just curious, just for just for all of our our friends out there, um, what what helped you work through that? I think we've all had different tactics, but I, I would love to hear, you know, what gave you the empowerment to overcome that, to really get out on your own and be that consultant that you are today. Yeah, you assume I'm completely over it when you say that, but <laughs> I think we can go through our entire lives and different aspects of the the stuff that we do, and it can pop up now and then. Um, I think the, one of the the early key wins for me, the, I think two things. One is I had a conversation with someone that did similar kinds of consulting work that I wanted to do, and I saw that he was being very successful. He was 
putting himself out there and he was making it happen. So I'm like, Oh, if he could do it, I could do it. You know? So sort of that, you know, um, recognition. Um, the other piece of it is when I got my first client and when I, um, you know, was starting to provide them the output and they were happy with the work that I was doing, then I was like, Oh, this is, this can work. Like I do know what I'm doing and I can provide the the kind of service that these, um, these clients are looking for. So, so, um, part of it was kind of reflecting in other people. And part of it was reflecting on my own abilities. Um, and, you know, now, you know, having worked in the industry for over 25 years, um, I have a lot of experiences that I can draw from to, um, you know, to do that work. And I, you know, I say this like to myself and I think others should think the same as well is that, you know, there is that value. There is that expertise that you can bring to the table if you have three years or 23 years. So so touching on something that you kind of alluded to as a follow up to Stephanie's question, um, you, you said, you know, you, you're, you're implying that I'm over it. We all laugh because yeah. none of us, I think, ever get over it. So again, as another, as another aid for our friends that are out there, uh, when you do find yourself falling back into that imposter syndrome slump, or what am I really doing here? What are some of the things that you actually, or what are the tools that you have that helps get you back out of that and, and just keep charging forward? Yeah, I, I th- it might be different for me than for other people because uh, everyone handles it, you know, in their own way. Of course. Um, yep. I think one of the things that I have done that helps me feel better about putting myself out there is actually create my own marketing and promotion materials for myself because then I am writing the good things down that other people are reading. I'm like, oh yeah, that that's actually true about me. I can do those things. And so um, it's sort of a, maybe a digital pad on my own back, maybe um, to, um, you know, put materials together or revise my website or, you know, I put together some like three by five promotion cards that I hand out uh, that, um, you know, help to highlight some of the work that I've done and the experiences that I have. And I think it just kind of helps to kind of remind myself that, you know, yeah, of course I can, I can do this. I've been doing it for a while and people will see that, that value in me. Um, it, it comes out, you know, um, in a slightly different way in some other situations where, um, I do some work with startups who don't have large budgets and they, um, a lot of times try to work deals, <laughs> you know, and I got some good advice from, uh, from a friend a number of years ago. It's like, you can work for free forever, right? Like there's a lot of organizations that'll be happy to have you come in. You can work for free. You can do all your work and they love you. And I'm sure that that feels good. That helps to build that, um, the, the shield to the imposter syndrome, but, um, but you have to add, you have to put in your, you know, I'll just say like your value, your dollar value Mm -hmm. that comes to the table as well. And so I've held, held firm, um, on lots of situations when they wanted to discount because of this or that. And I say, well, no, look, this is actually the value you're getting out of having 25 years of experience and the, um, you know, the, the, the content and the perspective that I bring to the table. So I have to kind of look at it a couple of different ways. I love that. Why would you discount a premium product in the first place? You know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Hold true to that. 
But I think that conversely, you know, we as women have a tendency to not go after the job if I'm not 100% perfect for the job description, which Mm -hmm. even in that is a convoluted thinking because then you're not giving yourself any room to grow. We don't ask for the raise. We're, Mm -hmm. you know, women just tend to be a little bit more passive in their careers. It's, It's hard to put yourself out there and to take the risk. And, you know, there's been multiple studies about, you know, men get promoted on the prospect of the work that they could do, whereas women have to prove themselves. And so, you know, it's, it's not just how we think about ourselves. It's a whole systemic item for that. So if we were to have, um, you know, and it's easy for all of us here who, who are all powerhouses in our own career to sit here and be like, oh yeah, like there's moments where I don't feel like I should be in this room, let alone, you know, on the, on the podium. Um, But if you were to, you know, be talking to a new grad, somebody who's coming Mm -hmm. into the industry and you've got all this dynamic experience behind you and you can still feel that way, you know, what are, what are some of the, the things that you would, you know, do as specific points of advice to, you know, a new hire, a new grad about, something that they could do or focus on to help their career path be more successful and more manageable. The, what, what advice would you have wanted to get, you know, 25 years ago? Yeah. Um, there's actually uh, three bits of advice that I have uh, and I'll try not to take too much time on each one, but um, one of them I got from somebody else very early in my career and I don't, I'm not going to remember the exact words that, that they used, but is around the concept of, you know, when you're new in your career, your boss will find problems. You're, they'll find a way for you to be able to solve the problem and say, Hey, can you go solve this problem? And then come back and tell me what happens. You get a little more further around in your career, you start finding the problems. And then you go to your boss and say, Hey, I found this problem. Can you help me figure out what to do about it? You know, you get further in your career, you find a problem, you solve the problem, you say, hey, boss, I solved this problem, right? And then the the pinnacle of that is you find a problem, you solve the problem, the boss didn't even know it happens. And it's just taken care of. And then, you know, maybe someday you get, you know, the the benefit out of solving the problem, but but it's just taken care of. So I think, you know, if you think of yourself in that way as you're growing through your career, is like, can I find problems and if you're very early, can I, first of all, can I find the problems and can I think about what a solution might be? So mm-hmm. I'll go talk to my supervisor and say, look, I found this issue. I There's a couple of different ways that we can approach solving this issue. Um, and then that way you start to think strategically, you start to you know put that problem solving hat on and you also start to help your boss take some load off of their plate, which I think is always beneficial. Um, the second one is around um, your uh, reviews. So many companies have, have very formal review processes. Some don't have really much of any at all. Um, if you don't have a formal review process with your manager, I would just suggest to make your own process for your manager so that you can um, you can make sure that you're getting that feedback around your your um, your performance and how things are going. And, and credit for the things you're solving. Yes, exactly. All the things you're solving, which you should have at this point kept a running list of all of the problems that you've solved. Um, If it's one great meeting that you handled really well, if it's one, um, uh, you know, initiative that you took on that maybe was a little outside of your your normal day to day job, you know, those kinds of things and actually write your own review to give to your manager And in doing so, what I had found was that there were so many things that I remembered that I did that my boss didn't. And so that way, 
Um, and, and I have asked my direct reports to do this, you know, for me when I had had people under me, um, because then I'm like, oh yeah, they did this great project that I completely forgot about it. So let me include that in their annual review so that I can demonstrate when the time comes for promotion or for raises, et cetera. I have that, um, that proof source to say, like, look, they're actually, um, you know, providing more, more, uh, you know, bang for their, their, their job buck, uh, at the company than some of their colleagues. And so that's where, you know, kind of writing your own review and giving your boss that feedback, uh, or that, that content so that they can use that to, to write your formal review as needed. Um, the third one is around development planning. Um, and that is really where you have those conversations with your, your supervisor and they say, well, you need to do a better job at strategic planning, or I need to see that you're, you're better able to understand these different content areas that we're working on or whatever they, whatever they pop up. And, um, in my experience, strategic planning for, um, direct reports or, or colleagues of mine, they're like, yeah, they need, and I need to be seen as thinking more strategically. I'm like, how do I do that? So what I recommend to people is go develop some projects or put together a um, a step-by-step plan that you can talk to other people at your organization where um, you and your manager can agree that if I do these things, you'll start to see me demonstrating my strategic thinking. So then that comes back to the promotion and the you know, the raises, right? Say like, look, I've been doing these things. You said I needed to do these things. These are the things I've been doing. Um, are you starting to see these behaviors that you're looking for? Are you starting to see that expertise that you wanted out of me? And if it's not there yet, what else can I do? So that's where you have sort of a self-driven uh, a development plan program where you have a voice in, first of all, choosing the kinds of things you want to work on. And then um, also getting that buy-in from your, your supervisor that these are the kinds of things that they need to see from you before you can move on to that next step. So great a lot of talking, but yeah. No, no, it was great answers yeah. in your my work sister. You know, we we would have gotten along very well yes. in our careers and things because I'm going, yes, yes, yes. The one thing I think that resonated with me is uh, how you also have become a board member uh, for an organization, the Medical Development Group of Boston, as well as um, some, uh, you know, other independent, maybe professional work that you might do that I feel is really important, uh, especially when we're independent, right? And we need to get this feedback and that sort of thing. How valuable do you think those sorts of things are to, no matter where you're working uh, and whether you're with a company or you have your own company? What's that, those thoughts around that? Well, I think um, my interest in joining um, MDG was um, probably had a couple different angles to it, you know, to um, to be able to meet some more people in the industry, to give back a little bit to the community where I've been working for a while, um, and then also see what it's like to have another organization what what's like to have an organization running in the background, right? And all that that kind of thing. I also have um, an interest in being on a public board in the future. And so that's some advice that I had gotten is that, you know, it's good to be on a nonprofit board um, as a stepping stone to, um, you know, to future uh, corporate boards. So I think um, 
I think probably the third of those things is really where the value comes in is working with other people, um, with other people that have other um, um, other goals or other perspectives on how things should be done, um, especially in a volunteer board. Um, you try to do as much as you can and try to get as much help as you can from other people. And so that's usually uh, different kinds of skills, you know, your people skills and your organizational skills and your leadership skills to try to get get things done. So, you know, I think having the opportunity to um, to have that kind of experience uh, is important really in any, um, any, regardless of what level you're at. Um, you could find an opportunity to volunteer in a, in a leadership capacity uh, in an organization. Um, I will put a little plug in is that we have um, board limits uh, for the MDG leadership um, organization. And in um, in a couple of months, we'll actually be calling for um, nominations for new board positions. So if there are people out there listening, um, they could check out mdgboston.org and might be an opportunity for you to get involved. Stephanie, I know that, um, you know, a lot of that conversation about getting involved, giving back must have resonated with you because um, Stephanie herself is really active with uh, Sanciel as an example. Uh, but one of the things that I always find to be really amazing is I feel like I just don't have enough minutes in my day. Um, so, you know, when you're in that position where you're like, you know, I would love to give back, I would love to be in a position, but we've all got that, that, you know, the family life and sometimes what feels like a disproportionate amount of the family responsibility that's on our plates and we're doing everything for work and we're working on our own professional development. You know, how do you do it all? How do you find the time to to be able to contribute? Because I mean, we all agree that it's incredibly important, but just how do, how do we work it into our schedule? Because I, I feel like that's something that I have never been able to figure out. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy to hear Stephanie's Stephanie's answer too. But um, I think it, it's it's hard, right? Um, I think um, you know I'm of the uh, the generation. Maybe I've been pretty um, vocal saying I just have turned 50 in the last year. Or so um, where I would go to panels and the women would say, you know, you can have it all, <laughs> and they'd say you can, um, you know. A lot of times we were very successful women. They say, you buy it, you hire a chef and you hire a nanny and then you can do anything you want. And like 90% of the people in the audience are like, that doesn't work for me. How am I going to make that happen? So I think the world has come around to say, you know, you just, you need to prioritize what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And that's how you have it all, right? You're not expected to do everything, but you pick what's important to you and make that happen. So I think um, being a consultant, um, where I work out of my home, where I don't have a commute and I can manage my own hours. That has allowed me to, um, you know, to have the opportunity to do more speaking engagements and to be involved in other organizations, which are both, you know, professionally and personally uh, rewarding. And, um, but I, I, you know, I do have to you know, I've got my my two kids that I manage their schedules and I sort of manage my house, but it's in a various states of disarray on a regular basis. And um, but I play basketball um, a couple days a week. I'm in a singing group um, and I I do that at least once a week. And that's I get my um, like my energy from those things. So um, so I kind of need those in my life in order to balance the 
the things that are less fun. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe the, the, the advice answer is that, you know, really, obviously there's the requirements of things you have to get done, but, but find some things that, um, that really work for you that allow you your own self-care and own, um, motivation as well as, um, you know, keep your, your career and things moving in the right direction. Um, there's, I, I don't know who, um, who said this originally, but there's that phrase going out there that, you know, people used to have three places they'd have home and work and like somewhere else to go, like the bowling alley or the, mm -hmm. you know, or the pub or, you know, they're a knitting circle or, you know, something, something else. They'd have a, th a third place to go. And with COVID, a lot of people have one place to go. And so um, getting back into the habit of finding your third place or, or help, help yourself find where that third place is to help get your energy, uh, get your recharge, recharging back from those kinds of things so that you can be realistic about what you can, what you accomplish. And, and those things are going to change you know, throughout your life. You know, when you have your little kids at home, um, you know, I had to rush out of the office at by five Oh seven. If I didn't, I couldn't get there by six o'clock, you know, to pick up. And, um, you know, you have to manage the, the, the time and the, the activities throughout those times, but, but no, no, regardless of where you are right now, it will change. And so there should be an opportunity in the future to do more of the things that you enjoy. Stephanie, how, uh, it any, any different tips, tricks mm. on, on how you manage it? Stephanie, I feel like does 18 million things um, at once. And she and I've had the pleasure of knowing each other for years. And so I, I would talk to her and she's like, oh yeah, and I'm working. And then I, I spend some shifts at our local hospital and I'm going to work on my DNP and I'm a member of Sanseo. And I was like, how many more ands do you have, babe? Like I do not have that many hours in my day. So, I mean, you know, I think you're a great example of, of also doing it all and what seems like so effortlessly. Yeah, I think that's that's all false. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks you make it look easy. This is a permanent suffering. smile on her face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there there's somebody suffering in that circle. But you know, um Isla, I think you um I I was resonating with what you were saying because I think we have a lot in common, right? You I, my thing is, is harmony and I'm a weird individual. And I think you might have a little bit of this too, where if I am not on the brink of being overwhelmed, then I'm bored. And it's this like really weird place. Yeah. And it could take one little thing like this week, I had some IT tech issues and it about threw me over the edge. <laughs> uh, but, but otherwise I would have been bored. So yeah. I think you're like that too. Um, and one other piece that resonated with me that you said is, you know, you play basketball and you're in a singing group. I am not good at basketball and you don't want to hear me sing. However, what you did say with that was that it brings you energy and it gives you energy and it probably gives you that creativity and the, and that, you know, that brain space, um, to do all the amazing other things that you do. And I have that balance as well. I have things outside of work that, you know, I get to the gym, you know, in the mornings and that's how I start my day and things that really release that energy, but, you know, kind of clear my brain. And it sounds like you're doing that too. And I, I think this persona of like people thinking everything is Colleen, I've really misled you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Colleen did work. She was, we were on a project together during a really wild time in my life, but things are not that crazy anymore, Colleen. Um, I really do work. Um, Elsa, it sounds like you do on, you know, harmony and being present. I've been really working hard on being present in the moment um, with the people that are around me. And um, I think it sounds like that resonates through uh, you as well and the work you're doing. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think uh, associated with that is the the old cliche, you know, perfect is the enemy of good, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we we want to do everything really, really well. Uh, let's just do it really well. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, where, you know, even like I mentioned my website earlier, you know, hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. Like, am I going to put this out there? Am I going to launch it? Am I going to get it out so people can see it? Um, and I realized like it's never going to be perfect, perfect, but it's going to be good. So um, that's where like releasing yourself a little bit from the pressure of looking perfect all the time or, you know, being, you know, whatever the most amazing at something, just be good, just be good at something if you enjoy it. So. I think there's a lot to be said. Sorry, Barbara. Um, But I think there's a lot to be said kind of tagging off of, you know, Stephanie somewhat giving herself a hard time and saying that it's not as great as it seems to be because I'm, you know, as I've got to know Stephanie, de- definitely very impressed and see all the things that Colleen is putting out there. And Ilsa, you you seem to line right up to that. You just, I think there's something to be said about remembering also that you're your own worst self-critic. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, if you're anything, you know, one of the things that I really struggle with is I'm constantly wanting the feedback and I'm wanting the critique, but then sometimes there there's times when I, I I can take it. I'm like, great, move on, move forward with it. And then there's other times where I will then wallow in that for weeks yeah. on end. And it is, it's, it, you know, it, it just kind of kills you inside. So having those additional outlets to bring you that energy is really important and stuff. And so, but yeah, don't, don't discount that. I think, um, is what I'm trying to get to. And, uh, I already asked that one question of like, how do you pull yourself out of the imposter syndrome? But the other side of it would be when you are really and truly feeling overwhelmed on that side and you have all of those things, where is it that you go to other than just reprioritizing to understand where that harmony, as you guys say, so eloquently would come from? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think for me, it is really prioritizing. I've, I've, I have some um, like printed up pages at like days of the week and what do you have to get done and what, what time um, I really live off my digital camera, but sometimes I have to switch yeah. to pen and paper because that helps me realize that whatever I have on my plate, I can accomplish. Whereas mm-hmm. if I have this mental load of all of these things that I feel like I have to get done, I think with the holidays, it's worse right now, but, um, but if I actually write it down on a piece of paper, it's like, oh, if I do this today, I do that tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I didn't really have to get that done until next week. And then I realize later, I'm like, oh, I write something down. I don't really have to do that. Just cross that. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, I think, I think that's that kind of that realization that, um, you know, you, you, you know, I tend to, and maybe Stephanie's well, try to tend to take on a lot, um, a lot of things. Um, but at the same time, you know, being realistic about what you can get done when. And I, I think what comes along with that is the comfort to say no. And um, one of my favorite, um, this sounds silly to say it like this, but one of my favorite meetings in a corporate setting was when we decided to cancel a project because we had so many things going on and all of the data was showing us that there was not a really good reason for us to do this right now. And so I, I kind of try to reflect back on my, you know, my personal 
um, or my my non-corporate activities well is like, when do I say yes and when do I say no? And um, you know, just having that wherewithal to to say no, I think is an important way to to manage your load as well. So I was going to ask, and this sort of dovetails into that, and, and you might have just answered it, but I'll tickle it out a little bit, is yeah. you've provided our audience with lots of great advice, whether no matter whether they're working, uh, whether they're you know at home, whatever they're doing. But what in your mind is that best piece of advice you've ever been given that still resonates with you today? You may have gotten it 20 years ago or whatever, but what is it that resonates today? I don't know. That's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough question. Um, I think, um, I may go back to the comment about, um, uh, like solving problems, whereas, um, you know, when I heard that comment, um, the comments about like, your boss brings you a problem and you try to, you know, bring a solution, et cetera. Um, I feel like that when I, when I heard that comment originally, it actually made me realize that I could do step five, right. Even though I might only be at step one today, only because that's kind of how I thought it was supposed to be, but then realizing, Oh, I can get to the place where I'm just solving problems and they just get done. And then I just tell my boss that I took care of it. Um, and so I think that was that, I mean, it touches on imposter syndrome and being busy and, you know, development planning and all of that all in one, one, one uh, nice little package is like, look, if you, you can, you can do it, right. You can get to that place. Um, it might take a little time to figure out what the it is, but, but um, having a, that little bit of a roadmap um, helps you to say, you know, you know, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there someday. Might be to, not today. Might have to get through those development plans and get through, um, through uh, you know, put some time in to to have that experience. But there's the opportunity to get there. Great. Uh, I'll just tell one little anecdotal story. Right. My father was in a house with three women, so he didn't have much to say or when he did, you know. But his whole thing, when I talked to him and I said, okay, I've made a decision, he'd say, so you think that's a good idea? Mm. And he'd let it sit there. So it's similar to yours. You know, if you're in a situation, think it through. And once we sort of talked together about it, it was like, oh, my goodness, I, I need to do this, this and this before that. So even my husband will say it to me now, even though my dad, rest his peace, has passed. Yeah. And I go, okay, take a deep breath. Right about it right so that's great thanks so much yeah yeah and uh, we're not talking about parenting necessarily but i got into the habit of doing that with my kids they would come ask me like why does this happen and i would say well why do you think uh, and let them try to answer the question so we should be doing that around ourselves like like do the work to 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 figure out why things are happening or how you can be this problem solver to um to move to the next step right yeah great thank you 
Elsa, I think that those are just some fabulous points. And, uh, you know, really some of my key takeaways from today's discussion were about, although we didn't use the word self-care, it really is about, you know, finding balance through self-care. You can't pour from an empty cup and we do have to take care of ourselves. I really appreciated your insights into your three best bits. Um, I think that those are some really actionable tips that, you know, it's, it's sometimes it really is the small things. It is keeping a log of all the control contributions that you've made in that year to make sure that you're getting that recognition that you deserve and just the relatability of imposter syndrome you know we've all been there and still to this day have moments where we don't feel like we're as present as we should be um, so thank you so much for, for coming on today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy presents the Women in MedTech podcast. For our audience, if you've not already done so yet, be sure to subscribe to never miss a future episode. We hope that your holiday season is filled with joy and we look forward to new episodes in 2024. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you.